From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Great to have you with us as we are broadcasting from First Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia, the site of this year's Prevote Stand Summit. Special treat for me is that we have a live studio audience here at the First Baptist Church as they're coming out of our last session. So let's, uh, you can't see them, but you can hear them. Let everybody know you're here. All right. Well, if you're in the area, it's not too late to join us and be a part of what God is doing here to encourage, educate, and challenge the body of Christ at this year's Pray Vote Stand Summit. Our program this evening will feature Mike Huckabee, David Barton, Jensen Franklin, Bishop Vincent Matthews, and Senator James Lankford of Oklahoma. And, of course, we have a full program tomorrow filled with great sessions on topics including education, alternative media, election reform, biblical worldview, and more. Also, there will be a candidate training session uh, tomorrow night, uh, tomorrow evening. To find out more, go to prayvotestand.org slash summit. Okay, coming up on this Wednesday edition of Washington Watch, President Biden today hosted his United We Stand Summit, in which he worked to divide America even further. We're going to talk about that as we see Democrats moving more and more toward divisive language. The president may claim he is working to, quote unquote, heal the soul of the nation, but most voters believe he has divided the country. As revealed in a new survey from the Convention of States Action and the Trafalgar Group, according to the poll, 92.8 percent of Republicans believe President Biden has divided the country. And the percent of Democrats who say the president has unified the country only stands at 43 percent. So should we be surprised? We're going to talk about that with Governor Mike Huckabee, my first guest, in just a moment. And while President Biden and his administration say we should all be rejecting violence and threats of violence, there hasn't been a peep from the White House so far on this remark made yesterday by Democrat Representative Tim Ryan of Ohio. Some of those answers will come from Republicans. It's not not the extremists that we're dealing with every single day. We've got to kill and confront that movement. Some of those answers will come from Republicans, I see, not to the extremists that we are dealing with every single day. He said we've got to kill and confront that movement. Well, we're going to talk about that, considering how Democrats say President Trump incited people to violence by using words like fight. Will they be telling us now? Not to take such words literally. We're going to talk about that a little later here on Washington Watch. And speaking of violence, a group of Senate Republicans are intensifying their call for the Biden administration to do something about the crime wave we're experiencing across the nation. We've got to turn away from this week on crime sort of environment. It starts at the top. The tone at the top right now has got to be much more stringent and much stronger. That was Senator Haggerty of Missis, of uh, Tennessee. Uh, every city uh, across the country is seeing this rise. We're going to be talking about, in particular, what's been happening in Mississippi and in Tennessee when we're joined by Bishop. Uh, we're going to be joined uh, in just a moment by Bishop Vincent Matthews, who pastors in that uh, region. And as more companies are going woke, the question we're confronted with is this. Is your money going to companies that are working against the values you hold? Well, there's a new app out that uh, can help freedom, freedom-loving Americans connect with businesses that share their values. We'll talk about this with the CEO and founder of the company behind the app, the app Michael Seifert later here on the program. And finally, I'll be joined by David Limbaugh and his daughter, Kristen Limbaugh-Bloom, to discuss their new book, The Resurrected Jesus, The Church in the New Testament. And we'll talk about the book's practical application in today's world. So stick around for that conversation coming up a little bit later on Washington Watch. The website, TonyPerkins.com. And remember, the website to uh, join the summit, pray vote stand.org. It'll be uh, back. It's actually on right now, and uh, you can catch it later tonight. We start at 7 p.m. Eastern time. The word for today comes from Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5, and it reads as follows. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. The word pure means refined and tested. God's word is proven. It is solid. It has stood the test of time. The prevailing culture has rejected the Bible as the transcendent truth of God, but 
It's God's word that has provided our common currency of right and wrong. And we're told everyone is free to determine their own truth. That is at the root of lawlessness. The pressure will increase on Christians to reject or at least surrender their allegiance to biblical truth, especially on issues revolving around human sexuality, which have been labeled civil rights issues. But what happens if we lay down the word of God? We will have surrendered the source of our protection and our strength. We must run to and with the word of God, not from it. To, know, to find out more about our Bible reading plan, go to frc.org slash Bible. All right, before I bring in Governor Huckabee, breaking news from the Hill, Senator Tammy Baldwin of Wisconsin, the lead Democrat negotiator on the Disrespect for Marriage Act, announced that the Senate will postpone action on the bill until after the election. Surprise, surprise. What does that mean? Well, it means that you got through. Your phone calls got the attention of Republican senators, and they will not move forward with a vote, at least not before the election. We're going to have to be watching this in the lame duck session. So our work is not yet done. So stand by. All right. As I mentioned at the top of the program, President Biden earlier today hosted the United We Stand Summit, which came on the heels of the divisive and inflammatory remarks that the president has been making in recent weeks. Is the president in a position to bring America together? It's what he says he wants to do, but his words tell a different story. Here to talk about this is Governor Mike Huckabee. Governor, welcome to the program. Tony, great to be with you. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to come and offer some very consoling words today because uh, I've been watching Joe Biden. This speech that he gave a week or so ago, I called it the get off my lawn speech because I honestly thought it was Clint Eastwood in Gran Torino with a shotgun pointed and saying, get off my lawn. He basically told 74 million Americans, we don't belong here. I've never seen anything like that. And I been watching presidential speeches going back to Eisenhower. There's never been a president who in a presidential address, even in a political campaign, but in a presidential address, basically insulted half the country and said that they were enemies and a threat to democracy. Now, now Governor, you came out of Arkansas. Politics were pretty rough and tumble back then. <laughs> it was. And in fact, uh, you, when you went into the governor's office, your door was nailed shut. Yes, it was. Uh, <laughs> they wanted to keep you out of office, literally. Um, you've been around for a while. You've been a Baptist preacher, so you've been through some business meetings. Yeah. Uh, and now you're the host of Huckabee on TBN, which is a great program. I was with you this past weekend. Always great to, to be with you on that. What's the state of politics in America when you look at the president that nine, you heard the, the quote, 92 percent of Republicans see him as dividing our nation? The state of politics is uh, worse than I've ever seen it. We've always had divisions. We've had conflicts. That's normal. You should have conflict in politics. Right. But if you, you work toward a consensus. You work toward a consensus and you understood that there were certain things you had to do, whether it was pass a budget or uh, educate kids. There was, uh, you know, at least a common consensus. But today the divide is much deeper. Uh, we now see that when we're talking about education, the question is, are we really talking about educating kids about America? Are we going to tell them that America is an evil, racist, horrible country? And what a contrast. A week ago, we observed the uh, anniversary of 9-11. Now, that was not that long ago, 21 years. 21 years ago, nobody was taking a knee. Nobody was desecrating the flag. We were all flying flags, and it didn't matter if we, we were rich, poor, rural, uh, urban, black, white. People believed in America. So if the country was systemically racist all this time, how come America came together 21 years ago in the face of 9-11? The reason is, is because we weren't systemically racist. We weren't a horrible country. Right. And everyone, no matter who they were, recognize the value of this country compared to the kind of people who murdered 3,000 souls on September 11th. So something has happened. Well, what's happened is the radicalization of the political process, and it's no longer Democrat and Republican. It's the far left, and it's the rest of America. And there's a difference between it's different between liberal and conservative. It's different right. between Democrat and Republican, which you know, when I was in the Louisiana legislature, the Republicans were an extreme minority, but we worked together for a common good. There's now a polarization that's taken place in the country that there is such a divide. How do we bridge that? 
Well, I don't think we do as long as the uh, division is over as intense a philosophical disagreement. When you have people who think it's okay to take the life of an unborn child right up to the moment of birth, you can't compromise with that. You just can't. When you have people who believe it's all right to mutilate a 14-year-old girl and remove her breast and completely and irreversibly destroy her body, uh, we can't say, you know what, that's okay. We're going to... say. We have to have a standard. I'm a musician, maybe not a very good one, but I do play. Before you can play music, you have to tune the instrument. What do you tune it to? To what you think, what you feel, what you believe? That's a train wreck waiting to happen if you do that. You tune it to a standard that is absolutely the same, no matter where you are and no matter what music you're playing. If we don't have a standard, if we don't have a fixed and absolute to which we tune our culture, then we are going to be making noise, not music. And what I see happening in our world today is that because we have abandoned the notion that there is a God, abandoned the notion of biblical truth, that the Bible is true, whether I like it or not, it's true, I'm the one that has the problem. But now we have people who worship the created rather than the creator. Environmentalism has become its own God. Uh, Government is a God to many people on the far left. And they scoff at the notion that there really is a creator God to whom we have accountability. And as long as we hold to that truth, and there are those who reject that truth, there is no compromise. Because historically, and I'm glad you brought that up, because historically we've compromised and we've given in, and this is where it's gotten us. And I believe when we stand on truth, God's word is not for us to negotiate away. It is his truth. We must stand upon it. It's not ours to, we didn't write it, so we can't erase it. You know, God has not assigned me the editor's job of the Bible and gone in and said, "Okay, look, there's some things that don't match the culture anymore. It was several years ago when Pope John Paul II was being interviewed by a secular reporter. And the reporter said, "Uh, Your Holiness, how come the church doesn't do more to become in step with uh, the culture? Why, Why doesn't it get more in touch with the standards of the world. And his answer was classic. So I loved him. He said, my dear son, the church is the standard. We might say the Bible is the standard, but the point being that we don't adjust ourselves to the changing whims of an ever moving culture. We fix ourselves on the word of God unapologetically. What I fear is, Tony, we have a lot of believers in our nation who are very apologetic, and they want to be nice. They want to be loved. Look, I'd love to be loved. I'd love to be nice. But sometimes you got to stand and fight, and that's what we're faced with, whether we like that or not. Ultimately, we have to stand on that truth. Governor Mike Huckabee, I want to thank you for joining us on Washington Watch. Thank you. Thank you for being here at the Pray Vote Stand Summit. Look forward to hearing you tonight as well. Thank you. Great honored to be here, and I appreciate it. I'm hoping for a great midterm election that maybe people will wake up. Yes. Governor Mike Huckabee, and he'll be with us again tonight at the Pray Vote Stand Summit. You can uh, watch him by tuning in at prayvotestand.org slash summit. It'll be uh, on beginning at 7 p.m. Eastern time tonight. All right, don't go away. More Washington Watch coming up next. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, We are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org slash Bible.
1 Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that verse by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with a prayer guide. To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldview's monthly newsletter, visit frc.org worldview. Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose— Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us as we're broadcasting live from First Baptist Church, Atlanta, Georgia, the site of this year's Pray, Vote, Stand Summit. And uh, we have a live audience here with us. It's a unique privilege for us. We don't always have a live audience. So welcome, everyone. All right. Memphis, Tennessee has been drawing a lot of attention following two violent attacks there earlier this month that were allegedly committed by two suspects who had been released from prison before serving their full sentences. The volunteer state's two senators, Bill Haggerty and Marsha Blackburn, yesterday sent a letter to President Biden noting that the recent episodes of violence came in that came in Memphis are symptomatic of the rise in violent crime across the country, and they urged his administration to immediately take action, a call they actually reiterated during a press conference yesterday with other members of the Senate Republican uh, Conference. Now, with midterms approaching, Democrats have changed their tune when it comes to defending or defunding the police, but they continue to claim that gun control is the answer. But Will that really solve the crime wave we're seeing? What really is at the heart of the crime that is sweeping across our country? With me now to talk about this is Bishop Vincent Matthews, president of the Church of God in Christ World Missions, and he pastors in the Memphis area. Bishop Matthews, welcome back to Washington Watch. It's good to be back with you, Tony. Thank and you glad to have you here at Pray Vote Stand. You'll be speaking yes. tonight. Yes, uh, give us a little preview of what we might hear from you tonight. Well, I'll tell you just what you were sharing uh, even earlier. I'm grateful maybe to the president because maybe he has bound the country back together in some ways, in a backwards way, because people are seeing that some of the things you've been warning and others have been warning are actually true, that this extremism uh, to chaos and other things are difficult and that we really want to talk about why we should pray, why we should vote and why we must stand as the church of the living God. So we see, I mean, you see it in Memphis, you see it around the country. It's not limited to Memphis. It's everywhere. That's right. Is this, I mean, this is lawlessness. Yes. What's at the heart of this? Is, Is gun control the answer? Definitely not. Um, and, uh, defunding the police, which was spread across the country, but people on main street were not asking to defund the police, black, white, Latino, Asian, it doesn't matter. The answer really, I think there's a, a, a demonic agenda to bring chaos to, uh, to be able to pull off whatever people want to do in our nation. But really the, the answer is the church being the church. We were in Bible study when this young man was playing a video game in real life, Grand 
uh, Grand Theft Auto. Right. Yeah, he was playing Grand Theft Auto in real life. He was arrested less than a mile away from my church while we were in Bible study. And the bottom line was that this young man at 19 years old, who's reaching out to him? Was he raised in the church? We see all the studies that tell that if a young person is in church four days uh, out of a month, that they're 70% least likely to be involved in antisocial behavior. We have, just as the governor said a few moments ago, people have turned away from God, made gods unto themselves, and followed the God of materialism, secular humanism, and this is is what we get as a result. So, Bishop, it's not the time for Christians who find themselves, you know, being kind of pushed aside. Don't bring that religion stuff into the public square. That's That's exactly what we need to be bringing. Exactly. Um, And and the challenge for the American church is that we've been bullied to be silent, to only speak within the four walls, but we must stand firm, just as the advert that you had before. We must be bold and courageous, pray as the apostles did for boldness to stand firm. If we don't, the world is going to break us, literally. So, when you look at the crime rates, and they're rising everywhere. I mean, last year, record number of homicides. Yes. We're, we're, we're seeing violent crime increase. Are the, are the people of America, you know, folks that come to your church that are in the communities around your church, are they ready for something different? Oh, very, very much so. As a matter of fact, we've what it says in Scripture, since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of heaven have suffered violence and a violent take it by force. We've decided not to be on the defensive, but to be on the offensive and to go forward, outreach, knocking on doors, standing on the streets. Everywhere we go, no one is refusing prayer. No one is refusing someone trying to bring an answer to them. So the world is ready. The man on the street may not be an eschatologist, but they understand that something is happening and they can see that. Uh, there has to be a greater answer than our government. So so build on that. What should our churches be doing right now? Yeah, our churches must be actively, A, raising up disciples, building up a sense of family, because family is being eroded from every angle, uh, protecting our children, and declaring the same message that was after the, uh, uh, the, the intertestinal period in that new era, because we're in a new era, this right. post- COVID era era was not about the disease, but about the things that that have been clamped down in our society. We must declare, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, that Jesus is the way, and then we must be the hands and feet of the church and demonstrate what Christ would have us to do. We also understand that as the church gets out, it faces resistance. Some of that resistance comes from, from government. Are you finding government officials now more open because they're out of answers when it comes to solving the crime problems plaguing our cities. Yeah, often we hear these uh, governmental officials who are on the news that are touting all the things that they're touting. But on Main Street, the uh, uh, local government officials are wrangling on what should we do, and they're needing help. Social workers, all of these individuals, we've began partnerships with them to say, hey, we're here to assist, to help. Even things uh, and, and when you have a government from the top that that purports that murder of a child up to the day of birth is okay, then this young man who is killing right. people in the streets is is a small example compared to what's happening in our land. So the murderous spirit has yeah. been pushed across our land, and we must stand up, speak up. I was just uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, Tony, but I'm excited now. I was just uh, reading in uh, Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, there were two blind men sitting on the side of the road when Jesus was coming, preparing for his triumphal entry. And they were crying out, uh, Lord Jesus, save us. Have mercy on us, son of David. And people told them to be quiet, but they got louder. This is what the church must Ah, be. We must get louder. And at that point, Jesus stopped. He looked at them and he asked, what is it that you need? The problem is that the church has been too silent. I've done an informal uh, study. Anyone I see that has a cross on anywhere, I say, hey, are you one of those Jesus followers? You know how many people quickly deny because they think that I'm hostile? And then finally, when I finally say, I'm a Jesus follower, they say, oh, yeah, yeah, I am also. But they're afraid that I'm against them. We must be able to stand and be willing to die. We have nothing to die for. We have nothing to live for. That is so true. Bishop Vincent Matthews, always great to see <laughs> you. Thanks to be for with joining you. us and Thank look you. forward to hearing you tonight. Thank you, Tony. All right. Thanks a lot. Folks, be sure and tune in tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern time for the Pray Vote Stand Summit here at First Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia. All right, coming up, is your money going to companies who have gone woke? What can you do about it? That's our conversation next here on Washington Watch. 
Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15-week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host, and we are broadcasting live from the site of this year's Pray Vote Stand Summit, which is First Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia. So uh, we hope you are uh, participating in that. If you can't make it here, we still got uh, tonight and tomorrow, all day tomorrow and tomorrow night. If you're in the area, we've still got room for you. If not, tune in by going to prayvotestand.org, and you can join us for each of the sessions. All right, increasingly, this is one of the conversations we had this afternoon, more and more companies are going woke. You know, it becomes especially clear each June during Pride Month when the rainbows come out. But for most of the year, it's not always clear which companies are supporting or even actively pushing radical and leftist agendas. Well, one company is doing something about that. Join me now to talk about a new app that he and his team have developed is Michael Seifert. He is the founder and CEO of Public Square. Michael, welcome to Washington Watch. Thank you, Tony, for having me. Glad to be here. So, um, Michael, I, we met a number of years ago at, uh, at JH Ranch, uh, which is something I've talked about on the program many times when I, where I've taken all my kids. Um, this is something you've, you've kind of entered into this public space. Um, so you're a young guy. Why, why getting involved in these issues? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of ways I could answer that, but our country's in a very pivotal time, and it feels like if I were not to step up and take a stand for the things that I believe in, that not only would my family suffer the consequences of that, but the generation that comes after us. And we did meet at JH Ranch, and that's a great organization that tries to instill life purpose in the next generation and believes that the greatest way to do that is starting with the family unit. So I was raised up in a culture, organizations like that, that taught me what it looks like to create a legacy. And my wife and I are actually expecting our first child in about six weeks. Congratulations. Thank you. And so the issues become very personal. Thomas Paine said, if a battle may come, let it be in my day so that my children may know peace. So for us, it feels like if we don't stand up now, if we don't try to create this new economy that's centered around the values that we hold dear, our nation will suffer irreparable damage that my kids are going to have to deal with. And so it's kind of now or never. And we've experienced tremendous success as we've stood. God has really blown wind in our sails, so we're going to keep running. So we're talking about stewardship issues, really, because we we, we can vote at the voting at the ballot box and we can elect leaders. But then we see how corporate America, just like we saw with Disney in Florida, bullying the governor and others, you know, using their corporate clout to try to shape the policy. Explain how this tool counterbalances that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, corporatism has 
uh, ravaged our country in a lot of ways. And often, if you want to look at why political decisions are made, look at where the money's going and who benefits from it financially. And so as we've seen progressive policies start to infect the marketplace, that's left tens of millions of Americans like myself, conservative Americans. I love my Lord and I love my country and the values that made it so special in the first place. That woke corporatism has made it hard for us to have a place to shop and support businesses that support our values. We're left wondering, well, where the heck am I supposed to turn? So what we've done with Public Square, publicsq.com, is we've actually created a tool where you can learn all the businesses near you and nationally online that support your values. If you are a freedom-loving, liberty-minded America or American, you have an entire network, a database of coffee shops, restaurants, plumbers, electricians, banks, lenders that all have agreed with a set of values to stand and say, I love my country and the freedoms that it protects. That way you know that you're not having to fund abortion with a coffee purchase. You're not having to fund stripping of Second Amendment rights with a bank uh, transaction. Instead, you get to know that for the purchase of your life, you're moving the power structures of society back toward we the people and the values that have made it special. And so it's not only the consumers that are interested, yep. but also the businesses are looking to try to maybe separate themselves from all these woke corporations? Absolutely. Small businesses have felt the effects of this. I mean, I think it was one of the greatest crimes against humanity I've ever witnessed that Amazon during the COVID season was preaching about the need for lockdowns while they were the very institution that was profiting off of them. Meanwhile, 43% of small businesses in LA had to close down. I think that's a big problem. So when small businesses finally feel like there's a network for them, they're thanking us every day and it's an honor to be a- So Michael, explain how, how it works yep. for the consumer. So it's completely free for the consumer and the business to join. The best place to start is publicsq.com. When you're there, you'll see an ability to sign up for an account, and you're going to be dropped into an experience where you can shop online with thousands of businesses around the country that share your values and can't wait to serve you from all different industries. You can also shop local, so you can connect with the businesses that are actually in your geographical location. And what's really neat is it's a social commerce experience. So while you're there, there's an ability to chat with other users, chat with the business owners, hear their thoughts, and it's completely free. And so it's a very easy user-friendly experience. We just launched nationwide nine weeks ago. So this is available no matter where you are in these glorious United States. And then there's uh, some incentives that uh, are on there for people to shop with these pro-American businesses. Absolutely. We ran a market research study last spring where we asked American conservative consumers from 27 states, how many of you would drive 10 minutes farther or spend 10% more to spend every dollar in alignment with your values? 98% said yes. So what we're doing to take it even a step further is saying, what if you didn't have to drive farther? What if you didn't have to spend more? What if we could actually ask these businesses to give you a discount to shop there? Now, over a third of the businesses on the Public Square platform will actually give you a discount just so you'll go to their business and support them as a Public Square member. That's a great idea. Uh, Michael, so again, give out the website one more time. PublicSQ.com. All right. And you were on one of the panels this afternoon talking about how to, to take on woke corporate America. And, and I think we can we can talk about the problem, but we've got to bring a solution. Amen. And this is one of them. Michael, so good to see you. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, Tony. Appreciate it. All right. All right, folks, more Washington Watch to come. Coming up after the break, I'll be joined by David Limbaugh and his daughter, Kristen. We're going to be talking about a new book that just came out last week. They spoke earlier here at the Pray Vote Stand Summit. And again, more summit coverage tonight, beginning at 7 p.m. Eastern time. You can tune in by going to prayvotestand.org slash summit. All right, don't go away. We're coming back with more Washington Watch after this. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com.
With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742 and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. With just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text STAND to 67742. That's STAND to 67742. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. All right, welcome back to the site of the 2022 Pray Vote Stand Summit here at the First Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia. And by the way, if you're within driving distance, you can still get here and be a part of this great summit that we're having. Uh, we pick back up tonight at 7 p.m., and then we'll be going all day tomorrow and tomorrow night. And if you can't get here, if you can't get here, you can tune in online. Go to prayvotestand.org slash summit, and you can watch. All right, as um, I'm sure if you listen or watch this program frequently, you know that we emphasize that Christians need to be immersed in the Word of God. It is one of the reasons that here at the Family Research Council, we launched the daily Bible reading plan probably three or four years ago. We're on the second iteration, and I, I mentioned it on every episode. It's because if we cannot stand for the truth, number one, if we don't know it, but as we know the truth, we're encouraged to stand in a culture that is becoming increasingly hostile to these values and to these truths. Well, my next guest believe this as well, which is why they wrote a book specifically for those who may be intimidated by the Bible, but want to explore and understand it better. It all points to the Word. And they want to ignite a passion in readers to become enthusiastic about God's Word. Joining me now to discuss this new book is David Limbaugh and Kristen Limbaugh-Bloom, his daughter. They're the authors of The Resurrected Jesus, the Church in the New Testament. David, Kristen, welcome to Washington Watch. Thanks so much for having having us, Tony. And we get to do this again because we we actually were in a panel discussion earlier about the book, and so uh, I've learned a lot about the book from our previous conversation, so uh, I want to take our listeners through it. But first, uh, give us the the essence of the book and why it was written. And I'm going to let you all arm wrestle to see who goes first. (laughs) Uh, No, you can go. Okay. Um, I'm going to not go as long as I did in the other one. This, this, this is the fifth Christian-themed book, and this one is, this covers Paul's last, the Apostle Paul's last seven epistles. The prison epistles, which he wrote from Rome, Rome prison, house arrest, and the pastoral epistles, that, which he wrote to Timothy and Titus, his uh, understudies and colleagues. The goal, as you said, uh, is to go through the Bible, chapter and verse, paraphrasing in some cases and stating verbatim, what the scripture is, and then adding our own insights and commentary. And some of the best biblical comment commentators throughout history, I have access to so much, and she does on Logos Bible software. 
add the early church fathers' insights. I just want to share with readers, we want to share with readers, uh, some of this incredible wisdom about Scripture to enhance their understanding of Scripture, help them overcome any intimidation. In addition to the commentary that we interject, we also add prayers, interactive prayers, so the reader can better engage with the Scripture and ultimately with the Word. The goal, as you said, Tony, is to inspire readers to read the Bible. So let me go back just a minute, David, because um, I know you're trying to get get through that, but it's important that this is not the first book. This, as you mentioned, this yeah. is the fifth book in the series. And I think it's important to share with our viewers and listeners why this is important to you okay. and how you came okay. to Christ. <clears throat> well, I kicking and screaming. And uh, I, I always believed in God, but I didn't embrace the God of the Bible. And I certainly didn't accept Jesus Christ's divinity or the inspiration of the Bible. And I hadn't accepted Jesus into my heart, not because I thought about it and rejected it, but just for whatever reasons. And I thought I had intellectual doubts. I don't know if they ultimately were. They could have been masking something else. So I embarked on a study of apologetics, Josh McDowell's books, Norman Geisler, Tony yeah. Little. I mean, I could go through, I can't, there are so many. It just fascinated me. And here's the thing, Tony, I wasn't one of these rebellious people who didn't, who was rooting for the wrong team. I knew, I, I watched Charles Stanley before I was a Christian and loved him and knew he was right, but I couldn't quite get over the hump of, of doubt and, and become a believer. So I came to it that way, overcoming intellectual doubts and then embracing it with my heart and accepting Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And because I was in that position, I know a lot of people are in that position. And I think I can relate to them. We can relate to them. And I, even after I became a Christian, I was lost in the sense of, I want to inhale the Bible. I now understand it's the Word of God. I'm so excited and passionate. But where do I begin? And just starting the, reading the Bible, uh, I don't know. What am I reading here? I didn't understand it was an integrated document, a set of stories written by 40 different authors from different locations, different languages, uh, over 1,500 years, and, and all an integrated piece, all God's love story from the redemption of mankind. Once I discovered this, once I discovered that this book I'm holding in my hands is actually the Word of God, I became on fire for it. I want that fire to be contagious. And so... So you're helping people on that same journey. That, that, uh, that's the goal. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, Kristen, this, you talk a lot about Paul in, yes. in here in Paul's letters, which to me, I, I mean, of course, Paul wrote a big chunk of the New Testament, right. his letters, and they're so real. They're yes. so relevant uh, to what we are facing today. But, I mean, he just bears, a, he bears his heart. He does. Yes. Um, Paul is such an inspiring character because, as as we know as Christians, he started off being one of the main persecutors of Christian and that Christians, and then had the encounter with Jesus and completely changed his ways. And he then went on to stamp out heresies that were spreading within the churches that he himself had planted um, throughout Asia. Yeah, that had to be frustrating. Yeah. You, you plant a church and you know, a few years it's later, like yeah. yeah, you know, it's like, oh, I can't leave for two years without um, different heresies going on. And, and, and then other churches are being persecuted. And so um, he, he's writing these letters to those churches to help, um, to correct the heresies that they were falling prey to. And then he's also writing to two of his understudies, Timothy and Titus, and he's encouraging them. And he's really passing the torch to them because he knows that his time is short. He's about to be put to death. Well, he's writing these from prison. He's writing them from prison. So exactly. not the best yes. surroundings. Right. Exactly. And he, I'm sure that was not the, the um, mission that he had envisioned for himself when Christ commissioned him. And yet we see all the work that he was able to do through the Holy Spirit's um, you know, divine power, taking these letters and literally spreading them throughout the world. And now, as you said, it's one of the largest chunks of the New Testament that we have. And we talked about this earlier when you, when Paul kind of gives his litany of what he had experienced, you know, to basically his, uh, his credentials, you know, yeah. I've been beaten, yeah. you know, I've been shipwrecked, I've been snake bitten, you know, it's like, I don't want to travel with this guy. Yeah. <laughs> but in the midst of all of that, he, he wasn't speaking as a victim. Mm -hmm. That's right. Mm -hmm. he, he was speaking as a conqueror, yes. but yet he had faced all this opposition and this persecution. He'd been driven out of city after city, but he understood that that was what he was called to do. Didn't like it, right? 
but that's what he was called to do. What can we learn from that today? Well, you know, it's, it's kind of inspiring. God never promises us freedom from difficulties. In fact, he promises we will have difficulties. Yeah. And it's encouraging, ironically, when you have Jesus came not to militarily conquer the Roman Empire and deliver the Jewish people as they anticipated their Messiah would right. do, mm -hmm. but to conquer Satan, sin, and death by allowing himself to be killed in the material world so that he could then be bodily resurrected, which would lead to our bodily resurrection through faith in him. But the fact that Jesus went through these struggles intentionally, that is to say he became a human being for the very purpose of struggling so that we could have eternal life with him. Paul has all kinds of struggles, but through it all, <clears throat> he tells of these struggles, but he also tells the Philippians, be joyful. Yeah. Because not some giddy happiness, some silly drunkenness. It is this inner assurance mm -hmm. of eternal salvation. The Bible talks about the hope of salvation, but he's quick to say, this isn't the kind of hope that it could happen. It's a certainty. The hope is a different term, different use. We know where we're going. So no matter what they do to us in this life, we're going to be around for eternity and in, in glory with God later. The name of the book is The Resurrected Jesus, The Church in the New Testament. Authors are David Limbaugh and his daughter, Kristen Limbaugh Bloom. Where can folks get a copy of the book? Pretty much any bookstore, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Books A Million. An experience, uh, first book that the two of you have written together? Yes. yes. Father-daughter um, undertaking. Talk a little bit about that. Well, Dad asked me to write this, or if I'd be interested in co-writing this about a year and a half ago, and I was just thrilled. It's always been a dream of mine to be a published author. And since I was a little girl, Dad has encouraged me as a writer, but for him to entrust me and bring me in on his already successful writing career was, I mean, it's one of the best things that a parent can do for their child. And so um, the writing process um, was a, an amazing learning experience for me. Um, Dad helped me. Uh, taught me his researching process, his editing process, and set, you know, um, deadlines that were very realistic. And then he often beat his own deadlines, which was encouraging to me as a writer. So um, it was That's a never happened love. to me, I can assure you. <laughs> or me, I know. So he really, you know, sets the bar high, and it inspires me to do the same. David, I, I've written a couple of books. I'm not, that's not my forte, but I, I've done it. But in the writing, I mean, there's almost always something that you say, Wow. What was that moment? What, as you put this together, what was a couple of those things that you said, wow, I just really never understood it like that, or this is so insightful? There, there are so many epiphanies that you have when you, when you read Scripture, and that's, I, that's I, one reason I think they call it the living Word of God. It, it can hit you different, differently yeah, every each time, time you read yeah. it, and each person, yet the truth remains constant. It's not like this is my truth. This is your, no, no, no. This is God's eternal, unchanging truth. But, but still he meets us in the circumstances we are in. But I think what really gets me about this, the, or got me the most when I read this more than it had before. And I've read it so many times before these epistles was the humanness, the reality, the authenticity of the human experience. The Bible is written through flawed characters written by and about flawed characters. Mm -hmm. If it were some uh, effort to show that the purity of Christianity and the sinlessness and flawlessness, they wouldn't admit their own warts and all. Where do we think we got the story of Peter denying Jesus three times, except for Peter? He's probably the only one that really knew it, the only one that had access to biblical right. writers. Right. So he's telling on himself. But to me, ironically, that's encouraging. Paul's sharing that he had doubts and difficult, not doubts about Christ, but he, he gets, he has these personal, he mad, he gets mad at Bar, Barnabas. Right. Well, that is ironically encouraging to me because we think we shouldn't have these petty little human ideas. We shouldn't, but we, we are we still subjected right. to the, our sin nature for our, our flesh and external, but it's encouraging because Paul overcame them through uh, going to God and, and he had the confidence to do that. And he knew that he would overcome, and he wrote to us to give us that same encouragement. But don't say, don't think that because you're struggling and even experiencing these things that you're a failure. I mean, other than we recognize we're flawed and we need Christ. It's, it's encouraging because just remember, that's what reminds us that we need Christ. It's all about trusting Christ. If we thought we were self-sufficient, we wouldn't go back to him.
Yeah. Yeah. Kristen, I want to give you kind of a, a different angle on that question because, you know, when I read the Bible and what I, we're encouraging people on this journey is not just for the benefit of, well, this is the Bible and I've read it, but it's it's application yes. to our lives. It is It is truth not for the New Testament church 2,000 years ago. Right. It is truth for us today as well. Was there anything that, that you saw that, wow, that really speaks to where I am and where we are right now? Yes, there I can't remember the passage um, or the page rather, but the passage um, when, when Paul is talking about how Christ is our conqueror and how um, he has conquered death. And now we enjoy the riches of, of his plunder. And um, there was one commentator that um, pointed out that back then and in the historical context, when a king would, would conquer a, a different nation, he would take the plunder and then dole out these gifts to the different people. And so this is an analogy that now we as Christ's church have literal, tangible spiritual gifts that he has given to us through our faith in him because he conquered death. And I think that um, it's so encouraging because, like I said earlier, to understand that the same Holy Spirit that was living inside of Paul, that was living inside of the disciples, it's Jesus inside of us. And so to have that revelation, I mean, we say this and we know this, but do we really act on this and believe it and behave like Jesus who healed the sick and cast demons out of people, his spirit is living inside of us. I mean, how much more bold would we be? How much um, more confident would we be in who we are as his church if if we take that to heart? And and Tony, I think what you might be getting at on this, I'm not sure, but th- what is a, a glaring a parallel is Paul is writing to these churches who are deviating from the true mm-hmm. gospel. And there is dissension inside the church from those who would dilute the gospel, who would say, it's not faith in Christ alone that saves. It is faith plus circumcision. It is faith plus obedience to the Jewish ritual rites. Uh, and or, or there's some other heresy, Jesus isn't fully human, Jesus isn't fully God. We are experiencing those same types of attacks, external and internal attacks, mm-hmm. and we are seeing its effect on our society. We are imploding into moral and intellectual chaos. And I think the enemy is behind this. I think a lot of people are dupes, unwitting dupes, and don't realize that they're pawns of evil forces, dark spiritual forces that Paul warned us about in Ephesians and how we ought to put on the whole armor of God to gird ourselves against that. You know, it's a good setup for the end of the program because that is the chapter with I close the program every day. Ephesians chapter six. And in order to counter this heresy, we've got to go back to the truth. Mm -hmm. And that's why people, believers need to be in the word of God. Uh, David, Kristen, so good to see you. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for for having having us. us. And folks, I want to thank you for joining us as well. And again, be sure and tune in tonight, prayvotestand.org slash summit. Until next time, I leave you with those words of the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at one 866 372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.